Welcome to the Bootleg Baptist Podcast. I am Pastor Nick Staley. Joined today with Corbin Stewart, local gun nut, and Eric Stewart, local gun nut's brother. He's our lead pastor at our church. That's my new title. That's yeah. his new title. <laughs> it's hyper-fundamentalist, too. Um, no, I, before we start, we're just going to, I'll give you a warning. This is about guns, so if you're offended, go somewhere else. We really don't want you here. This isn't for you. It's fine. You can go watch something about flowers and DIY projects. Um, but for this one, we're just going to talk guns, talk about what they are, you know, the uses of them. I, I know nobody with more guns than this guy, um, and I figure there's nobody better for it because of your past, your training. Heck, you can shoot somebody and, and wound them up, or not, stitch them up, too. So there's nobody better for that. So real quick, why don't you introduce yourself, tell us a little bit about yourself. I'm Corbin. Speak loud, too. Yep. I did uh, six years in the Air Force, did explosive ordnance disposal, uh, bomb squad. Um, got out. My two younger brothers were nurses, and they kind of talked me into going to nursing school. So I've been nursing now for a couple years, and then kind of in between that time, I went to an NRA instructor school, and mostly just teaching CPL classes, um, especially for the civilian, like for just us regular guys. Like a pistol, like is our primary. Like we're not wearing body armor, we're not carrying rifles uh, in our everyday life as much as I would like to. Like it's not practical. <laughs> So, yeah, teaching people how to be safe and uh, just handle their firearm in a proper manner and then actually carry it. That's kind of mainly what I focus on uh, and kind of what my collection is focused on. So, yeah, one question I get a lot is, like, if you could only have one gun, which is how I'm asking Eric, if you only have one book. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, like, besides the Bible. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, King James, of course. Yeah. <laughs> got to be fundamental. Sorry. Going to rock that for a while. So, I got to get the best for first so that you would actually have an answer to that oh yeah this, this, you, this right here that, that's it? Okay. it which is what yeah so you got a glock 19 so i'll show where this is what i have to it up oh yeah she got some good advice yeah oh yeah yeah absolutely <laughs> um yeah so this is a nine millimeter compact i kind of have it set up here as like a nightstand gun kind of when i just grab if i need something in the middle of the night nice bright light and now we were talking about silencers and how it's this kind of taboo thing that people think is like only assassins you know use silencers but really it's just hearing protection but instead of in your ears it's on your gun so all it is it's a metal tube that's baffles in it slows down gases and then makes it quieter so or, when it comes to silencers themselves what do you got to do to get one out of curiosity yeah because i know you have a thousand of them seems I wish. Like. it seems like it yeah it's kind of a pain in the butt process like the first time uh -huh. um so i buy them online uh, through Silencer Shop, and they make it super easy. So I just fill in all my information online, take a picture with my phone, do fingerprints at their kiosk, and then basically just buy it like you're buying something online. So it's super easy. It gets shipped to a Class 3 dealer, and you wait like eight months. I think I have five or so in jail right now. I call it, you know, NFA jail. <laughs> uh, just like waiting. They're just sitting in the safe at the Class 3 dealer. I'm so waiting. what's a class three dealer? Yeah. So that'd be like a federal firearms licensed dealer that is able to deal in silencers, machine guns, destructive devices like grenades, explosives, things like Wait, that. You can buy grenades? Yeah. Cool. It's, you, <laughs> so you go through the same process of like buying a silencer just to own like one grenade. I have no idea how much they cost. I don't know. It's not like a common thing. That yeah, it's not something you carry. You can still carry a grenade. I, mean, I don't think Michigan CPL covers hanger grenades. <laughs> <laughs> like it's specific for handguns. Yeah. Like, it's kind of funny people like it's, other states, like in Louisiana, where I went to the NRA instructor school, so you can have like rifles in your vehicle loaded or wherever you want. In Michigan, you have to have a CPL just to carry a pistol, and it's only a pistol. But the funny thing is, things like 
this here, this is, as of right now, this is a pistol. So it's 12.3 inch, 5.56. Call this my main squeeze. This is a gun I take, <laughs> I take with me everywhere, anywhere I can, you know, in a vehicle. But yeah, this, this is legally defined as a pistol. Why? Pistol stabilizing brace, not a stock. So it's not meant to go against your shoulder, so, you know, against your cheek or maybe against your chest, but it's not designed or intended to be used as a stock. So your idea is you put your hand through here and you hold it one-handed. Which nobody does. I mean, for all intents and purposes, no. <laughs> but it, this, it, adding a Michigan CPL, this is covered by that. Gotcha. It's not that the average person would know that, but... That's not just what makes it a, a pistol, correct? It's the less barrel than, The well. less than 16-inch barrel. And, mm -hmm. and, then if it's, and the silencer doesn't count as barrel. No, nope, right. it has to be, okay. unless it's permanently affixed. This one, you can see, is not. So it's kind of like a fast on-off type thing there. What... So my question, I guess, starting off, let's just start with this. Home defense, I know that there's a zillion different rounds out there, and obviously your, your mainstay, you said, is a Glock 19, which is a 9mm. Yep. Um, what would you say, by and large, for home defense, well, if I'm on a budget, I can get one gun, which obviously you're going to say the Glock, but there's different calibers, too, mm -hmm. and then there's different, there's full metal jacket, there's hollow point. If I'm going to have one gun in my house, what am I going to have? One gun... Tell me everything I can get just so I can get started. Yep. So pretty much Glock 19. Yep. That, that's the answer. Yep. Um, I mean, if you were never going to concealed carry, and I would say an AR-15 and 5.56. So that's what, you know, it's a 22 caliber bullet, but it's, you know, screaming. I'd like this 12-inch barrel. It's going like 2,700 feet per second, depending on your grain weight or bullet. So that bullet's great. It's a little one, but it's screaming really fast. So it can cause actually, you know, what good cavitation and good wounding characteristics. So it's... Definitely a good, cho better choice than a handgun. Mm -hmm. You get significantly more power and better effect on like a soft target, and it's obviously easier to shoot because you have more points of contact being up here versus just holding with one or two hands. But yeah, so if you only have one gun and you were going to carry it, something like a Glock 19, Glock 19, Glock yeah. 7, you know, any, it doesn't matter. Any kind of striker fired nine millimeter, I mean, nine you can millimeter. get 40, 45. But I mean, really, with modern ammo and like the hollow points and the cost of ammo right now, yeah, it's kind of still crazy. But it's coming down. So, would you hollow point or full metal jacket? What's the benefits to either one? I know those are because I have at home a round of or a mag of hollow point. I got a mag of full metal jacket, which is I guess best for home protection too. Yeah. So hollow point, the idea is, I mean, literally, the end of the bullet is kind of open and mm -hmm. it hits soft tissue and then it opens up kind of like a beautiful flower of death. <laughs> and, <laughs> I love it. So, but on top of being more effective on a soft target, it's also going to not penetrate as deeply. So then you have a less chance of over-penetration. So typically 12 to 18 inches of you know, ballistic gelatin is kind of what the test is through different medium, like you have uh, denim, heavy clothing, different things you're going to shoot through and then go through the soft tissue is the testing protocol. So any kind of you know, round you're going to carry, you know, like a 147 grain 9 millimeter is designed to mm -hmm. expand uh, bigger than the 357 and get bigger and also go 12 to 18 inches. So basically if I hit somebody, they're not getting up. Well, it's that's a, a lot harder idea. to get up. But that's the thing with handguns, is handgun calibers like a 9, 40, 45, they pretty much all suck at killing people. Like are stopping the threat is the more appropriate mm -hmm. term. Uh, stopping the threat is what we want to do, but we want to basically, we're going to keep shooting if the need arises until there is no longer a threat. So I guess in classes a lot, I always ask, so, you know, if you're defending yourself, what's your goal and what you're doing? They say, well, shoot to wound them or, you know, the, the Uncle Joe, shoot them in the kneecap thing, which is obviously ridiculous. <laughs> uh, and you have little 
squirty boys down there. They're going to still bleed out getting shot in the, the leg. <laughs> didn't even say the leg, specifically the kneecap. I, like, yeah, yeah, that's yeah, even like, worse. That's a is, difficult but, shot. But yeah. is, is that a medical term, squirty boys? That's kind of what I'm wondering I mean, it now. Is now. It is now. <laughs> so that that's so, your basic gun. Yeah, I want to back on. So don't shoot till wound yeah. or why? Like why? Like obviously emotionally people are like that. So why would you say don't shoot to just wound someone? Good question. Well, if you are using a firearm in self-defense, the... I mean, it's an absolute last resort. It's not the magic wand that solves your problems. So if someone's going to kill you, kill your family, you know, great bodily harm, any of those things, you know, hurt your kids if they're in your house, then you're going to do whatever you can to stop them. And obviously now we have more effective tools to deal with that versus, you know, sticks, spears, swords. You know, we have a little bit more distance we can be and much more effectiveness. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. And then I know something. Oh, as far as shooting to kill, yeah. Yeah. yeah, you're basically you're just doing what you can until they're no longer a threat to you. So basically, you're. I mean, if I have 20 rounds of my gun, I'm. If there's one person that's hmm. threatening me or my family, I'm going to shoot till they are no longer a threat. So if that means they drop the gun in their hand, then I'm going to probably stop shooting and kind of assess and make sure that he's no longer a threat. Now I'm going to try to, you know, kick it away, grab it, whatever I can. But yeah, and the idea is, you know. Them being wounded, them being killed may be an outcome, but you're just trying to make sure they're no longer a threat to you, yourself, or your loved ones. And then people, I've heard people say, like, well, I don't want to kill another person. You know, someone made an image of God, whereas I'd rather die myself than kill another person. But, like, as men or as protectors, like, our goal yep. is to protect our family. And that doesn't mean just, like, them immediately next to me. That means, like, I need to be there for them. Yeah. Like, providing, you know, being there emotionally, being there physically, like, being there with them. So you end up being in the hospital or you know being injured because you were hesitant, then you're not doing, filling your role properly. And the thing is too is like it's gonna it's like could be a two way range. It's not like at the gun range where it's the bullets are only going this way. So you know yeah, that's why another thing I always talk about in classes is getting the medical training. So like the simplest thing would be like a tourniquet, which I have a couple in my bags back there. But uh, the number one kind of preventable battlefield loss and also could potentially be like motor vehicle accident kind of similar would be like blood loss from an extremity so if you get a big gash in your arm you have an artery severed then you could bleed out in minutes so having something that can stop that bleeding like a something as simple as a $30 tourniquet can save your life save someone else's life so that's hmm. the other thing too is not only being able to well let's say not only be able to make holes but be able to patch holes on yourself or others too so that's also an important thing to kind of yeah. put in your tool bag of stuff you can do and then you mentioned like okay that's last resort so like in what's maybe some mentality or some things like you would commonly recommend people to to try to avoid putting yourself in that situation or maybe just elaborate on that more so okay mm-hmm. you don't want to just the goal is not to go kill anyone it's for self-defense right so what are some things that you're doing preventative or like what kind of mentality do you have just things yeah. like that so we're not like, just because we carry a pistol doesn't mean that we're cops. We're not vigilantes. We're basically, like, just regular people who want to live our lives in peace. But we also want, we know that we live in a sinful world where people hurt other people to get what they want. So we want to kind of have that last resort. Um, was your... Just like, so So what are you doing to try... Oh, the mentality. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, absolute avoidance. Like, you know, in Michigan, we don't aren't required by law to like run away you know that we have like you know a stand, stand your ground, ground type yep. of law meaning you know if you're out in public you're 
not breaking the law yourself, then you can stand your ground. You don't have to run away. But usually that's the best option. Like if you have the option to, just get away. But it's different. If I'm out by myself, uh, I'm more likely to maybe try to help someone else. That's also a thing too of like, well, if there are people who are helpless, you know, other civilian innocents out there who are, you know, being attacked, killed, whatever it is, murdered or uh, raped, anything like that, you know, we can step in, you know, mm-hmm. legally and also, you know, maybe morally, like the more training you have. But also the flip side of that is, is it worth your life? Like, you don't know what's going on. Like, the, there's an article just recently where a guy um, was, you know, a good guy at the gun basically stopped something from happening, then off-duty cop shot and killed the, you know, what would have been one of us. So I don't know all the specifics mm-hmm. of it, oh. but, you know, is it worth you getting, potentially being seen as the bad guy by a cop or someone else and you getting taken out? So yeah, avoidance and also just paying attention to what's going on around you. You know, if you see something bad about to happen, then just leave. I mean, that's kind of the simple thing. If you have the ability to, then leave. If not, you have to you know, try to get behind cover, get as far away as you can, and then if you have to, fight. But that's where practice and training and actually knowing how to use your pistol comes in. Um, because a lot of guys like, well, I have this really sweet rifle or something like this, and but it's not going to do any good because it's not on you. Uh, unless you have a cool bad gun. <laughs> so, do you know someone that has a cool bag gun? Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. yeah. It's that one. Yeah, it's a cool bag gun because it's so it's not yeah. really so, super super practical. It weighs like it weighs like thirty pounds. Too. I think it's heavy. Like so that's heavy gun. But so again, eight inch standard blackout. So I got a quick test. So this fits in like a normal like bag that would fit like a fifteen inch laptop. So you have basically rifle type power in a small package that hmm. you know you. Could I've killed I think four four or five deer with this gun? Uh, what what do you gun. got on that too? What, what, what do we got? Here? Just like oh, a magnifier, three time magnifier, red dot, yep. nice bright cloud defensive owl. My favorite, my favorite lights. Mm-hmm. Cloud defensive brain, also my next favorite light. But yeah, so that something like this, and eh, not super practical, but it's fun to have. <laughs> and you never know, you might have to shoot a critter. Like, you know, I always think of you know you hit a deer on the side of the road, or you have a friend who has some rabbits or whatever eat in their garden, then you have something nice and accurate and quiet, because, you know, during a blackout you can get some heavy subsonic bullets that this is one of the quietest type of guns you can have. It's, it's like, a good squirrel killer. Yeah, like backyard quiet. Like, you can shoot, I, mean, I can't shoot here, but, you know, if you were somewhere you could legally shoot, you could shoot this in the backyard with subsonics, and you wouldn't be waking up the neighbors at night. Hmm. You had to shoot a, whatever, a coyote or something. So... 300, so explain, 300 blackout, because, okay, let's let's go rifle rounds real quick. Yep. 300 blackout, there's, you know, 223, 5.56, those are probably, I guess, the most common, at least in the U.S., because of all our AR-15s. Yeah, but, so 762 by 39, which have one in there, like which, an AR. Which is what? Assault rifles, right? So, assault rifles. Assault rifles, oh yeah. <laughs> Should we mock that a little bit, too? I mean, is it an assault rifle? Well, for one, it's not a rifle. <laughs> <laughs> it's a pistol. Assault pistol? How come they don't use that term? I mean, it could be. But it's an action, right? I mean, I know it's kind of a buzzword-type term that yeah. they use to vilify it, but, I mean, it's an inanimate object. It doesn't matter. This is just a tool. That's it's exactly. It's like a hammer or a saw or anything else. And all, I mean, it's not, I wouldn't call it a toy, but it's something to have fun with. Like, you go to the range and just plink around, mm-hmm. go with family, go with friends. Like, this is a great gun to have kids shoot because it doesn't kick a lot. It's really quiet, and you just put little foamies in, and it's not hurting anyone's ears. Um, so yeah, this is like my little sister's tiny, and she shoots this fine. Now, if I go, let's say, let's say I'm in the home defense situation. I've got a nine millimeter. I've got this, and I've got I've got bad guy in my house pointing a gun at me, and I have the choice between the two. I guess what's what is that going to do? A rifle round, mm-hmm. 
as far as penetration goes versus the nine or 45 yeah. even, I guess, so at that point. Yeah, and also same answer to the question from earlier, like five, five, six, turn yep. blackout, nine mil. So, I mean, yeah, five, five, six, especially with like a 16 inch barrel that's going you know, to get that higher velocity, that's going to be, I mean, devastating. Like, it's the, I mean, it's not necessarily a moose hunting gun, but for soft, squishy things like us, it works pretty good. <laughs> uh, stopping people from doing what they're doing. So, the thing, idea with this gun for me is with handguns, I mean, obviously I've never shot another person with a handgun. Like in the military, I got shot at a lot more than I got to shoot back. It was, you know, it was in Afghanistan. It was like a lot farther distances, so not like hallway type stuff, in my experience. But with a rifle round, you can generally expect a one or two shot stop, and that's the FBI statistics back that up, saying you know, you have a 75% chance of being killed if you get shot with a rifle or a shotgun. With a pistol, you have like about a 25% chance of living. Or wait, sorry, dying. 25% chance of dying. Dying. So 75% chance of living. Oh, yeah. So flip the round, but yeah, so. Yeah. Basically to say that rifle rounds are way more effective. Because they're like this eight inch barrel is launching these hundred and ten grain uh Armageddon bullets. This is a three oh eight bullet, but I loaded it to like twenty one fifty to twenty two hundred feet per second. And it's in three oh eight, that bullet would just disintegrate. It's meant for shooting groundhogs, basically, and turning them into pink mist. But with this eight inch barrel, <laughs> I'm launching them a lot slower. Like on my three oh eight, I loaded them to like thirty three hundred feet per second. I mean it just disintegrates. With this, I mean, there's plenty, you know, like Arfcom, I watch a lot of his videos. He does, he has the same length barrel, and it just mushrooms, like, it gets big and just kind of stops within, like, 16 inches. Um, so, awesome for that. So, yeah, this is going to be, like, way outclassed any handgun gotcha. with supersonics, and obviously a 5.56. Five, so, you're going to be way more effective, and again, just the fact that it's a, a gun that you have more points of contact, and you have a nice bright light, different aiming options, you have, you know, 30, 35 round magazines, Versus 15, 20, mm-hmm. um, you're more stable. But of course, this is harder to use one-handed, I and mean, it's still a pistol design, but holding 11 pounds out in front of you, not super easy. But the handgun is something you can always have with you. I mean, right. it's easy, easier to grab uh, than... Also, on the flip side, people think, well, a handgun's smaller, it's lighter, it's easier to use, but like for my wife, who's not super interested in guns, she, I mean, she, she prefers a handgun because she doesn't like how much these weigh. But it is easier to hit target with something like this. I mean, even from 10 feet away, it's way easier. Yeah, distance too, even. Or, yeah, or you know, 50 yards is pretty hard to hit mm-hmm. something with a handgun. Something you have to do with a lot of practice to do, which, you know, even 150 yards, like we do that when we go out shooting. You can still hit a man-sized target, it's just not 100%. Where this, you can be pretty close to 100% just standing. So, all right, so next, looking at all, all of your guns spread out here. Um, every single one has attachments on it. Yeah. Obviously, we already discussed a little bit on the on the um, silencers, mm-hmm. but what are I mean? You got a flashlight on everything. Uh, well, what's the benefit? I mean. So, one thing I always say it's on my cheesy line of, you know, every day there's a hundred percent chance of darkness. So you got to be able to see what you're doing, right? And more, I mean, it's not necessarily a necessity. I mean, I say it is, but I mean, if you don't have the budget for it, and you know, obviously having the gun is more important than having your light on it but for sometimes hunting you can do at nighttime you have to be yep. able to see and i don't have the budget for night vision yet i don't have the 45k to oh spend gosh on, like the quad nods i would love some but yeah so having a light is always dark and not only to identify your target because you don't want to shoot something you don't know what a, who or what the, what, what what it is but also to control your target if you have sixty thousand candela going into your eyes it's pretty difficult to be aggressive back into you know shooting at you is pretty difficult to shoot at someone you know if you're, if you're wondering just get your really bright light and shine in the mirror 
Yeah. You don't be pointing at yourself. But what about so. versus pulsating? Because I know some of them do that as well. Yeah, stroke. Is that beneficial? Um, can be. Maybe. I don't know. No, it's never ended the situation, apparently? No. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of cool to show off people, maybe. But yeah. They'd be all cool with the stroke. But I don't really see it being super practical. I mean, just constant on. Just like. And, and like most guys that I follow, like, like Sage Dynamics or other kind of guys that are up there, like instructors that they do professionally. Um, they promote all the new constant on. And really, it's just, you don't have less to worry about. You have you have on or off. Less to worry about. And you don't have to worry about the strobe function. So, so yeah, this is kind of what I dubbed like the coolest 22. So this is like an AR-15 um, that I basically built as a 22. So it's not like converted, but a little 22 long rifle. And then this guy, I made it into a another folder just for fun. So it's nice and short and I can just fit in the bag kind of same thing. But this is like the squirrel slayer, bunny slayer. Just because it's twenty two. Yeah. So it's a little plinker. Also yeah like the quiet one of the quietest guns that I have. So fun and cheap to shoot. Yeah, well it used to be cheap. Yeah. Now you're thinking like cheaper. Yeah, true. Cheaper than cheaper than everything else. Relatively speaking. Yeah, right? Yeah. 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 So like yeah, nine mil. I've seen it what for thirty-five cents around recently, and like when you and I were talking last, it was like fifty cents around like yeah, a couple yeah. weeks ago. So it's starting to come down a little bit. And over here. So I kind of I was telling them earlier. I kind of have like the dream gun kind of concept. Well, this is one of them. So got the nineteen X, basically Glock nineteen, like the, the mullet Glock. It's the same size up here, and it's longer in the back. So we got the mullet Glock, <laughs> but peanut butter Glock. Got a. <laughs> The HRS RMR on there and like CGS Cube Comp. This is just a fun gun to shoot. This, this, like I say, this is like cheating. Like with the compensator and the red dot, it's just so easy to shoot. So what does a compensator do versus, I guess, because so, I've never seen a pistol with compensator on. Yeah, so the lady that went to our church, she called the silencer, she called it like a quiet maker. And this is a loud maker. Ah. <laughs> so the compensator has ports on the top and on the sides that basically it redirects the gases exiting the barrel at high pressure. And it uses that force, and your gun wants to go up when you're firing. It goes up, and then it kind of pushes back down against that force, and also on the side it pushes. So it so keeps it you on target. You. Yeah. So it makes you be able to shoot a lot faster, and you reacquire your red dot faster to actually be able to see your target and hit. And it kind of takes a nine millimeter recoil, so like a 380. I mean, if you have a 380, we're the same huh. size. But yeah, I shoot this, and I shoot you know that without the can on it, and it's just. Pretty noticeable, and it's essentially the same gun. It's loud though, too. I mean, yeah, yeah. It's gonna be a slight louder than. That's something. If you're you're in your home and and you've got the choice between the two, you're gonna go with the silencer because it ain't yeah. gonna deafen you. This thing's gonna make you and that person go deaf. Yeah, but I mean, that's also the flip side of that is I know like the Warrior Poet uh, Society. He says he wants to have the loudest, most obnoxious <laughs> muzzle break on his gun to let the whole neighborhood know what's going on. Yeah, that's true. Well, that's I'd rather protect my hearing and my family's hearing, and like. I mean, as far as a quiet gun, like a 9mm with subsonics like these 147s, it's about as quiet as you're going to get in something that's actually, you know, not 22 based. Yeah. So, I mean, very quiet. And, yeah, you're not losing your hearing and immediately and in the future. So if if somebody's wanting to get into it, like, in the sense of, of taking it serious, I mean, you take it serious. You have fun with it, but you take it serious. What are, like, training-wise? Um, I know you do a bit of training with guys. How important is that for self-defense, for just knowing how to handle it? I mean, because I know there's tactical training, there's all different kinds of training you can get into. How important is that to continue to do rather than just going out and shooting every week? Yeah. Well, Obviously, they both have importance, but yeah. 
that one in, in regards to self-defense and even defending, period. Yeah, so it's, I mean, kind of the core of kind of self-defense is, is training. I mean, if you don't know how to handle your, if you have, you have the sitting coolest pistol you can possibly build, and it's not going to do any good if you don't know how to use it. Yeah. And like, I could give us someone who's, you know, doesn't know what they're doing, and then, you know, I have just like a little Glock 48, kind of a little slimmer, lighter gun, and I'm going to outshoot them, even without the extra, the red dot and all that extra stuff. So, so it's kind of like the thing, would you rather have Tiger Woods' clubs or his swing? Yeah. yeah. So the most right. important thing is the swing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 And, but all, and before all of that, before the cool guy training and adding all the fun stuff to your guns, is you know, just being safe. You know, I hate, I don't really like the word safe. I mean, it's risk mitigation, right? Because nothing we really do in life is completely safe, especially handling, handling firearms. You know, like, obviously even here, with the, uh, we're not pointing guns at each other, being aware of where our muzzle is. Or making sure they're clear, yep. stuff like that. So that's the foundation that you can build on that. So you know, basic marksmanship. Uh, once you get the safety fundamentals down, how to like clear and unload your gun, how to maintain it, um, and then the biggest thing too, or another big thing, is just not making all the rookie mistakes. Like a lot of people go out and they just buy something because it looks cool, but really it's not the best thing for what they're trying to do. So just kind of do some research. Um, there's a lot of great guys on YouTube. Like I said, Aaron Cowan's my the guy that I follow. I mean, he who is it? What's his name? Aaron Cowan. Aaron Cowan. Sage yeah. Dynamics. I mean, he's kind of like my go-to. I'll put a link. If in I want to know the description for him. So he has like the the drop zone, right? So he has he takes you know pistol. The big thing does he's a he has pistol self defense kind of what he teaches. But he'll take you know his gun will be empty cleared. He has some cement. He just drops it from you know standing up shoulder height, and you know the RMR is like the most durable. Uh, optic there is like you can drop he I think 20,000 rounds and every 500 rounds he does a drop test and it still holds zero hasn't oh, cracked so. and it's still working at 20,000 reply I don't know what he's at now that was a while ago he posted 20k uh, update yeah there's and most you know, other optics that cost a pretty similar amount I mean they break the first time so it's kind of not I mean it's the you know balance right Something that costs five to six hundred dollars versus the two hundred dollar thing, you know, like if I this drops or if, if I anything happens, this is going to be fine. If I buy a cheap one, it's probably could break. So like <clears throat> buying the buy once, cry once type of thing. So I made all the working mistakes years ago. Like I was young in the military and I kind of bought stuff I thought was cool, and I, I still have a lot of that stuff, but some of it I kind of gotten rid of. Um, so just yeah, don't just buy the cheap thing. But everyone has different budgets, right? I'd rather you, if you needed a gun right now, buy a less expensive, you know, three to four dollar gun versus getting a five hundred and fifty dollar Glock, just to have something. Then yeah. as soon as you can afford it, get rid of that. So are X you? Brand. So you're saying people should go buy a high point? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you want to, just, but not like ironically, but not serious. But it's all you can afford. I bought a hundred some, hundred fifty bucks. Oh yeah, they're cheap. So if. I'd rather you have that than have nothing. Right, to protect your home. So, so let me ask a next question too. So now all this, we're pastors, you're in charge of security of the church. I know a lot of churches that don't have security. You know, I remember, was it last year or two years ago that, that the guy in the in the sanctuary, a guy pulled a gun, shot somebody, that other dude caught right in the head. And that was Jack Wilson. Over. Jack Wilson. And how important that was. And they lived in a very, I mean, from what I understood, it wasn't like they were in the inner city of Detroit. You know, they were in a pretty safe area, but there was a threat and they took it serious. 
obviously every single week. So why, I mean, speaking, because you're our security guy, why is it important? Why shouldn't churches consider having armed men in the church, I say men, uh, in the church handling these situations? And, and why, why is it so important? Yeah. I mean, there is always that kind of general threat. I mean, it doesn't have to be specific, but I mean, the way things are now, there's more hostility towards Christians. And if basically, if you believe in the Bible, you know, you're hateful, the hate speech, and you know, you're a bigot, and all those other terms they'll throw at us for just basically believing what the core beliefs of Christianity are. And they'll, oh yeah, we're, we'll be tolerant of you because you're a Christian, but as soon as they you say something because of your beliefs, then you know, now you're a bigot. Um, so there's that general threat there. But another big thing too is, like I said, medical. So like I, with our guys, we always do like CPR training every two years. So that way all of us guys on the team have basic life savings. You know how to, um, you know, see if someone's going to cardiac arrest, like what to do, get an AED, you know, get, like start CPR, that kind of stuff. So that's really important. That's kind of really honestly the more likely thing to happen. Correct. And it, I mean, I, I don't think it's happened in our church, but mm. I've heard of, talked to other people yeah. really on like Facebook groups and stuff where that's happened and that helps them having a organized security team. Because if, something happens, it's just going to be chaos. It's not something that really the average person or everyday person thinks of and plans for. So we have, you know, we have radios, we have communication, and we have people designated in different areas that, that kind of know what the plan is if something does happen. And so the communication is a huge part. But then, of course, if there is a threat, you know, we have people that are armed. Everyone that's on the team, we all know who each other are. We all are armed every week, but we have designated people on each week. So that way we you know, always have that kind of protection and it's not only just to shoot someone who's like an act, active killer active shooter type of thing but you know you have some someone wandering around the church you know could be looking to scope the place out to steal sound equipment i mean now that's definitely happened we've that had something before. very similar to that actually a few years ago yeah. madison where the guy snuck into the janitor's closet walk in there and he was waiting to rob the church or the school that we were renting blind so yeah and also like with the uh the way we call it the daycare but like the yeah, children, children's ministry, wings whatever. and whatnot. So be keeping an eye on them, like making sure they have a radio. If they need something, that we can be there right away instead of them having to run out themselves. Um, so it's just, it's. I think it's just responsible. Yeah. You know, just to have, and it's not like a really not that big of a deal. It's not that hard to do. It's just the communication, like with the elders, pastor, so they know what's going on. They know who's on the team, and you know we've had it. And you know our church, we had people who were carrying firearms. Uh, in the church that I mean, they, we didn't know about it. I mean, Michigan law says you, can, you can't carry in a church unless you have, you know, verbal or written permission from the board, elders, pastor. So someone, I mean, I'm all for people carrying. I want more people to be concealed carrying, but also want, you know, to know who those people are in a setting where we're all in a confined space and there's a little bit more risk than just being out in public, like being a Christian and being gathered like that yeah you saw you're really an easy target too mm-hmm. yeah very easy target so we got to be extra vigilant and kind of pay attention I have, we have people at the door and we've caught at least two since i think there's two since we've been at this location um, where we've saw people carrying firearm and we kind of just say hey, very calmly confront them and then haven't had inst- you know, any issues but, mm-hmm. and, uh, but so you don't recommend though like a church goes you know what we're gonna have a security team everybody's gonna bring their firearm next week and that's our security team Rather, it should be organized, it should have plans, it should deal with safety, security, I mean even health in that level of taking care of people, Um, but also knowing who they are. I mean, it seems like any church, ah, you know what, old Joe, he's got a shotgun, he'll just bring it to church with him on Sunday. 
but it's really not how it should work. I mean, I know you guys practice periodically together and, and, and communicate a lot. So, I mean, I, how important is that just to making sure it's organized too? Yeah. I mean, and the idea too is concealed. I mean, I think a lot of people that we that go to our church are definitely on board with people carrying firearms, but we don't advertise them. We don't yeah. want everyone out there to know that we are carrying or who is and like that kind of thing. So just, you know, being, that's kind of, when we're on the defensive. Like when we're out in public, we're at church, you know, we aren't the aggressor. We're not wearing body armor. We're not carrying rifles. So we, the concealment is a big part of our defense. So if someone does come in meaning us harm, they can't just come in and take out the guys that they know are carrying. So us, them not knowing who we are necessarily, like someone just coming in, then just just keep kind of everyone calm. I mean, really, we don't need to be, we don't need to be like showing off our guns in church. Like it's just... I mean, I feel like some people will be okay with it, but <laughs> you probably also, want to. But yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> but there's also try not to the safety aspect to that too. Of you know, the more you handle firearms, the more chance there is for a negligent discharge. Um, and you know, like here, pretty safe direction over here where we are handling guns. But like in church, you know, it's probably cement floor. Or there's stuff or bullets to bounce off of. Like I worked at the gun range in New Orleans, and we would do that we take our guns we clear them like we were really safe about it and then we would show it to the customer like hey this is how you can build your gun or hey it's kind of like this one here and my buddy basically um let me show you i can do what he did but took his you know his block he put, dropped a live round in and dropped his slide and then it, it went off it fired into the ground so he was pointing in a safe direction and his finger wasn't on the trigger but the silk the gun went off because huh. he had a, a light trigger spring in there and it just didn't have the tension to hold the firing pin back. And if you go to that range, you'll still see a 40 cal bullet stuck up in the <laughs> ceiling, probably a little hole in the wow. in the ground. So luckily, no one was like, seriously hurt. But that's why I talk about like administrative handling of firearms is not really something you want to do like in a, with a bunch of people around in like a public type of thing. Yeah. So then it goes along with you know, being concealed too. Is not you know, if you have a visitor to a church, you don't want to intimidate people. Like that kind of thing. Like that's not the goal. We want to basically protect. And like I said, a layer of that protection is the concealment as well. Yeah, concealed versus open carry, obviously. I mean, you see, I, I work at a big box store, and I always see guys coming in. There's one guy that comes in there. He's got one here. He's got one here, and he's got one here. I ain't lying. I'm like, dude, I don't know where, who, who you plan on seeing here that you're going to have a draw with, but he's got somebody in mind. But I see that all the time. And you always, you know, my eyes always affixed to that like okay I know this guy's got it but you know how many guys walk in there that are just concealed and you don't even know and I think that's actually safer because now I don't know who has it you're the first target reality is if I see you with it and I'm coming and do harm you're who I'm going for first I don't know anybody else has but I know you do so you're my first target exactly so that concealed is important what do you think about uh, constitutional carry yeah. versus I guess in, in Michigan what we have uh, Concealed carry. What is what is the term? Is it just concealed carry? Yeah, concealed concealed pistol license. So Michigan, when I was in the military, it well we were not a shall issue state. We were technically a may issue. We had gun boards, like county gun boards, which they could deny someone just because essentially, like for no real reason. Uh, like if you were that annoying person that was always going to meetings and you know but they just didn't like you, they could deny you. Where now, I don't know the year it happened, but it's in the past several. More, six, I don't know, years, uh, we've been a true shall issue. So as long as you meet the requirements, 
you know, i.e. you're not a felon, you don't have any, like, violent um, crime on your history, um, then you can own, or you can get, you can get, you get your CPL. Um, so as far as constitutional care, all that is saying is that you can, you don't need a license. So the big thing, like, with states that do have constitutional care, I mean, people still get their concealed handgun license, like in Texas or, or whatever they call them in different states, because they want to carry in other states. So reciprocity, I can never say that word. Meaning, like, if you have a Michigan CPL, you can carry in about, about 40 other states. I mean, you can look at the new, most updated map. You Google, like, reciprocity with my state, with Michigan. You pull up a map, and it'll tell you all the states you can carry in. So if you avoid, like, part of the east, west coast, Illinois, you're pretty much good. Uh, as far as bringing your gun with you. You know, the commie states. Chicago, New York, and, and Cal- the state of California. So, yeah, about nine of them. You can't. So that's the big reason to get the license. So if, like, right now I could snap my fingers and say, constitutional carry mission, I'd be all for it. Even if, like, people didn't want to take CPO classes. Like, I'd Which you rather, teach. <laughs> rather, yeah, I'd rather have the freedom and be able to do that. But people will still want it, though, I would hope. Sure. Yeah, just to, Well, and that also opens up more to, like, teaching people how to handle it right. I mean, other classes open up that. Where they're not spending as much money just to get into the class. Now they can start training, learning how to, how to conceal it better. I mean, there's a lot of things you can do, how to draw how to be on target. I mean, there's a lot more to learn then. Yeah, so CPL class, I always say, it doesn't make you a ninja. It's not gonna make you an expert, you know, marksman or anything. It's kind of going over safety, like how to not shoot yourself, and then how to make <laughs> Good bullets, thing to know. How I to mean, make bullets go that way, the way you want to go. <laughs> not yeah. to shoot yourself. Yeah, which was the good thing about the story you shared earlier, because yeah. the guy, he had layers of protection mm-hmm. even though it went off, so that was, that was really good. Yeah. Cool. So Eric, throwing it to you now. First, tell us a little bit about you, real quick. Why not? Like in what? Yeah. I don't know. I like you know what 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 sign are you? Are you a Gemini? <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm, I'm an amateur when it comes to God, so I'm learning right now. No, I mean just I, in, in life. What, one, what, what what I mean? Tell us a little about you. you're our, our our lead pastor. Yep. Yeah, like, one of the pastors of the church. Fundamentalist, uh, a huge King James only <laughs> we, fundamentalist. We started the church in 2014. Um, yes, yeah, so I've been pastor for 15 years. Uh, yeah, been doing that. Love that. Uh, pastor and play sports. That's like the majority That's, of my life. And read yeah. books. I'm pretty boring, but yeah, no <laughs> offense, but yeah, kind of are. Yeah. So let's talk. Okay. So now, now we've got some practical ideas what to do with guns, but the theology of guns. Yeah. Because I think that's, I mean, look, John Piper is a noted what pacifist. Yep. He doesn't think anybody should have guns. There's no point in them, um, other than maybe hunting. And I, I wonder if he'd even <laughs> think we should hunt, but. I love John Piper, love him, but I think in the Christian culture we have that idea that, you know, we're not to take up arms, we're not to defend ourselves. They love we love our you know re- love the Revolutionary War. We forget that that was the pastors out there kind of leading the charge. Yeah, the Black Robe Red Regiment, Black Robe yeah, Regiment yeah. which we just celebrated Fourth of July. Um, so, tell us, I mean, what, why are why what is this theology behind guns? I mean. Protecting yourself. And yeah, stuff. I think the big thing is you, the the starting point is to talk about killing in general mm-hmm. versus murder. So like the the sixth commandment is you shall not murder. Uh, it doesn't say you shall not kill. Like there and there's a distinct difference between those terms. So any of the translations that use the term kill, I, I think is is really unfortunate because there are three very very clear scenarios in the Bible of which killing is is justified and. I would say I would say in one of them it's sinful not to kill. Mm-hmm. So the the scenario I'm talking about is capital punishment. 
So it started in the book of Genesis, chapter 9, verse 6, when if you take if you shed the blood of, of someone else, yeah. the, the, the necessary thing that must be happened is your blood must be shed. That's God's just standard of preserving a society and culture from um, becoming a culture of death, which America, case in point, we've become soft on that. And so we don't, we don't really uh, perform capital punishment for murder, but we do perform capital punishment. But it's, it's usually uh, babies in the womb that yeah. get, get, in a sense, they, they get killed. Yeah. So a, a, a culture and society, um, we lost our screen. It's okay. The, there's going to be killing until Jesus comes again and he makes all things new. So that's going to happen. So it's just a matter of, um, is it just or is it unjust? Mm-hmm. So I think that's the big thing. And then the, the second, which we hit on, uh, is self-defense clearly in the Bible is taught like and I loved Corbin's uh, what he was talking about earlier because the person would say well I don't want to kill another image bearer um, so but if you allow them to kill you that is you know so if, if you just surrender your life you are allowing an image bearer to be died so self-defense is very very clear and the clearest passage is uh, Exodus 22 too. if a thief is caught breaking in at night and is struck a fatal blow the defender is not guilty of bloodshed. But if it happens after sunrise, the defender is guilty of bloodshed. So even, and there's a lot we could go into of how the law of God works, but the law of God always uses case law, like like baseline case law. Mm-hmm. So this is saying, even if the person isn't necessarily a direct threat to you, and it's dark out and you don't know, it's justified to take their life. So then the, the conclusion would be, if they are trying to take your life, then then you're, you're justified in that. So... That would be the second one. And the third one are, is just wars, which you hit on. That there is a precedence of, of just wars, and they're defensive wars, um, which was a big thing. The Black Robe Regiment, which were the uh, the Presbyterians yep. in, the, uh, in, in the American um, revolt the, for, for independence, is they were very, very clear, we don't fire the first shot. Yep. Like, we are in a defensive posture. So that's, I, I think even before you can get on, on the... the on that is just talking about like there's going to be killing a society and culture it's just a matter of, is it just or unjust mm-hmm. and um our culture today you mentioned john piper who's one of my heroes that yeah. benefited from greatly but yep. the, the reason he draws that conclusion is is because um there's a, a movement it was started in the lutheran church called pietism yep. which just really ultimately pietism dispensational that disconnects uh, a fully orbed biblical worldview and makes things very mystical and spiritual and um yeah so it doesn't develop a really comprehensive biblical worldview so yeah so yeah so self-defense is definitely a given and when it comes to like revolt what i actually recently heard that makes a lot of sense is we couldn't technically even have a revolt unless you had a magistrate leading it because it's not the church's job i would agree with that and it would have to fall to the magistrate to say yes we're taking up arms um which I mean, I think people freak out in this country and think everybody and their uncle is trying to start a war. But in re- reality, we're not. I mean, even like your weapons here, they're, they're tools. Yep. Um, and in that, we, we're not at that point. I yeah. mean, it's, it's just reality. Um, praise God we're not. But we do have that ability to protect ourselves, protect our family. I mean, I tell you right now, if somebody messes with my wife in a way that I think you're going to hurt or harm her or kill her, yeah. you're not going to walk out alive. That's all there is to it. Yeah. One of us is going to walk out dead. I guarantee you that. Yeah, and this is, this is a really good point you hit on, right, on, on, on the magistrates because <laughs> that's the same thing with capital punishment. Yeah. So, like, 
God has entrusted the state with that duty. The the church is not to have anything to do with <laughs> executing people. The the tool that God has given the church is the sword of the spirit, the word of God. So even a person that's committed that's committed murder, our job is not to put them to death. Yeah. Our job is to preach Christ to them. However, our job is still to encourage magistrates to uphold justice. Right. Because that that pres- that was why God made that covenant with Noah because it was a covenant of preservation. Mm-hmm. Because he. If, if that was not in place and people were allowed to uh, kill without punishment, uh, th- then you, you have a society and culture that's out of control. Hmm. And there's going to be killing. So that was God's blessing to preserve us. Hmm. We're sponsored by Guinness, right? No, yeah, we are sponsored by Guinness. <laughs> um, sponsor, unofficial yeah. sponsor is Guinness, by the way. <laughs> Um, we're throwing all these out here. Guinness and Glock. So Guinness, if you want to send us free beer, Glock, if you want to send us some free guns, we're good with both of those things. Um, and I don't know, what do you got there? Uh, Man of War, is that what you said, or no do you got? Yeah, Man of War, 10th anniversary. So, yeah, maybe we're sponsored by Man of War, too. Um, so we're sponsored by all these. Feel free to send them right to my house. I'll give you the address to send me a private message. I'll share them with these guys, I promise. Um, so I guess at the end of the day, though, now let's actually, let's, let's change this around. Now, in a church... Like we were talking, security in the church. Um, again, biblical to defend one another, to have that there. Um, I mean, I could hear objections. I could hear people saying it's a, it's a, it's a, uh, it's a house of prayer for all the nations. And, but reality is we need to protect one another too, right? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. It's got to be I, done. I think all of those responses are just emotional. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're not like rooted in principles. And that just hits on a bigger part of our life is we... We have been discipled in a sissified culture. Yeah. Like that's just the reality of it. And yes, we have. In, in, in a culture that um, there is a religion in America today, mm-hmm. like, like again, there's no neutrality. There is going to be a religious system, and we have a religious system of secularism, which secularism ultimately is salvation through the state and what the state says goes. And, of course, if the state has the power, they, don't, they want the people to be stupid and... Uh, impotent you know they don't want them to to own weapons defend themselves they want them just to just just follow them so imagine how they how they treat us now like vilifying us saying all this stuff imagine we weren't armed like how is that going to change when we're defenseless yeah which blows my mind how australia doesn't have guns these are like the manly men of the world and they gave up their guns willingly what's wrong with you people (laughs) like said. i mean honestly it's stupid but, I mean, that's where we're at, unfortunately. It, and it's just, it's propaganda. Yep. So, so every time there, there's a shooting or, I, I don't even know anymore. Like, how, do, do they make stories up sometimes? Maybe, but, like, even if there is, like, it's, it's, it's manipulated and used yep. to show. And then people that don't grow up around guns, it's like you, you think that they are evil in and of themselves. Like, you're, you're terrified of them. And, like, I mean, Corbin, our house, like, there was guns laying around everywhere, right? Like, there's just, that was a way, like... But dad taught us, like, you know, he, he taught us how to use them, he, how to use them the, the right way. And, uh, but if you don't grow up around that and you're discipled by the media, it's, it's, just, it's just emotion. It's yeah. purely emotional response. If you, don't, if you look at the Bible and you look at principles rather than emotion, you can't make, that argument will not stand up. Now, if you just say, I just don't like them, hey, that's, that's I, love, I love the freedom to make that decision. Like, yeah, but you'll uh, love them as soon as somebody attacks you and somebody pulls them out. Yeah, that's the difference. I mean, we, we we hate them, but then when the police come with guns, we're the first one to call them. And say, "Get over here! Somebody's at my door trying to get me. Come with your gun." Yeah, you know, and that's that's it. Just shows that we we really do like guns. We like to be protected. It's just we don't. It's it's uh, 
just kind of showing your wokeness at that point. <laughs> I guess. I mean, you really don't want to. Sh you don't want the truth of what's really going on. I mean, we want. God, I just think of if if we didn't have guns and the police were all that had them, that'd be a scary place to be. It honestly would be because I don't know. I, there's plenty of great police officers out there. I'm not knocking that, but an armed. Truly, that's an armed government with an unarmed people, and you stand no chance. I mean. Yeah, sure. We, you know, that they've got F-15s and nukes, but you know, we've still got our, our weapons, and there is that level of protecting ourselves because that's what a reality comes down to. It's these are here to protect your family, your home, yourself, your friends, and you know. So and it comes down to it. Yeah. You know your your nation. Right. Absolutely. And hopefully that we have way tons of steps before we get to that point. Mm -hmm. Are like peaceful ways of resolving things, but that is the ultimate kind of checks and balances. Where they, like they say, like the government now, they can't decide, are AR-15s, like, weapons of mass destruction, or are they just, like, the, oh, well, you know, you have to have, like I said, nukes and F-15s. Like, can't decide if they're worthless or if they're, like, the ultimate killing machine. But really, it's just every American should own one if they want to. Yeah. And be able to. And yeah. And use it for, like, for fun, sporting purposes, hunting. Yeah, all that stuff's great, but the real reason... Like the reason the Second Amendment was written is to limit the government's power, right? It's not like people say, "Oh, it's supposed to." It was well regulated. Well, that just means well armed, and well equipped. <laughs> right. So it's just yeah, yeah. the whole idea of that is us to be able to have that option and be able to have the same weapons and armament as the government does. Like you know, people, civilians owned cannons back in the day. Like he said, something else that president said, like, "Oh, they couldn't own this or that." Like, no, people own cannons. Like private people. There's, and that would yeah. be like a, you know, owning like a, you know, rocket launcher or whatever, something like that today. Well, there's, there's, there's uh, civilians who own jets, like fighter jets. My son, I, I don't know how he's related. It's like my second cousin or something. He's, I don't, I, I've never met the guy. My dad was telling me about him. He actually owns like an old military jet. It's pretty cool. I actually saw pictures of it online. I'm like, this dude owns a jet. <laughs> like, that's pretty cool. So you got your F-15s, but you still got other, there's plenty of people out there that have, other flying, I'm sure we don't have a nuke, but the reality is we do have the weapons, and that is a deterrent. You're right. We're going to keep the government off our back a bit. So, cool. So, so something yeah. you mentioned earlier, I mm -hmm. think we should go in a little sure. more, is talking about the, uh, the the war for independence. And so, yeah. I, I think that's important, because even, even in that, you're not just like a revolutionary, right? Like you mentioned, it would have to be a civil magistrate. Yep. And so, like, flesh that idea out a little more. Like, like what you mean by that? But so, so, so obviously, when we look at the spheres of government, um, the civil, the church, and the family government, the, the civil, I mean, really, looking back even at Revolutionary War, it was magistrates who started the charge, though, because they were looking at, you know, English law and saying, we're not following that. It wasn't re a revolt against the British in that sense, it was a revolt because they were not withholding the own, their own laws that they put forth um, for America. They were basically sidestepping them. So magistrates are the ones who stood up and said enough's enough and led the charge. Now the pastors would preach on Sunday, sure. Then they pull out their guns and fight with them because they had somebody to follow. But that's not the church's sphere of authority. The sphere of authority actually flows from the magistrate. If we understand it biblically, it flows from the magistrate to defend. That's their job. And they can call forth a militia. They can call forth... I mean, you look at the Old Testament. It wasn't the priest saying, go out and fight. Rather, it was God who was the magistrate saying, go out and fight. He was calling him forth. Um, and in a local India, Deborah, who was a judge, calling out to fight. It's all throughout the scripture. The magistrates are the ones that send us out. 
Now, if there's no magistrate, then you don't take up arms. You really can't because at least from the biblical standpoint, we can't because of that fact. You have yeah. to have a magistrate, a leader that is a civil authority making that charge. So we, we need that, if anything. But again, we're not at that point. I think, honestly, I, I look at it and go, I think we've already halfway lost this fight over guns uh, in the U.S. just because we've willingly let them do all this stuff to us and make it harder and harder to get. We gave it up a long time ago. Yeah, once there's a license involved, yeah. approved by the government, they, we gave it they, up. they own it. Yeah, the they own it. And, yeah. and everybody says they'll have a boat accident, but the government's also not stupid. They're made up by people. They know yeah. that, oh, you dropped it in there? I'll grab a scuba diver. Let's go find it. Yeah. I mean, that's 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 a cop If you have to drop your guns in the water to, to hide them, you already lost. Yeah, well, it's time to fight. Yeah, you've lost at that point. It's, it's silly. We need more. Actually, we need more. I think there's a guy running in the state. Austin Chang is his name. He was going for a constitutional carry if you look, in Michigan for governor. If you look at it, it's great. His Facebook page has was for a while. His cover photo is him holding the AR-15. Says, "Here's my my." It says, "I'm like here's my view on gun gun control. Come get it." <laughs> it's like, well, that's a magistrate though. That's a ma- if yeah. he gets in the role of a magistrate, that's where we support that. Um, and, and fight for that. I think as, as, as men, we ought to fight for that. And I, as women, they ought to do likewise. I mean, we all need that. I, 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 so historically, there's a story of, uh, I think it was a, a Turkish empire, Turkish or Ottoman empire, that was, um, just, it was an empire. So when we deal with empires, like America's an empire, we stretch across the globe. The great British empire, you had Rome was an empire. There's all these empires and there was one that had it. And the women at that point wanted to be the judges. They thought they could judge more rightly. I think this is like 600s. I could be wrong on that. Um, but they thought they could judge more righteously than the men could. So they fought for that right to become judges. They got the right to become judges. They became judges. Within a few years, they were overrun by, by what they would called savages or barbarians at the time. But they were overrun. And those same women that were saying, we should be in control of and have the power, were all of a sudden cowering behind the men saying, protect me. We need, we need to protect our women, but the women need to stand up too, not for the sense to say, I need to be in charge, but I, we need the right to defend ourselves, especially, I mean, look at the, uh, look what's going on with women being abducted and things like that. I mean, yeah, it doesn't happen as much as we think it does. They're not physically just stolen. Um, but even at that, a woman with a weapon on her, I mean, it, it's a game changer. It's an yeah. absolute game changer. It's the great equalizer. Yeah, it is. It doesn't matter if you're a 100-pound whether it's a guy or a girl, but obviously women are more likely to be smaller. And against someone like our size, like it doesn't matter. Like the bullet is gonna yeah, it's you. gonna rip through. Either if you're right. bigger, you're a bigger target. So yeah, your wife walking through Walmart and she thinks she's being followed. If she's got a gun on her, she knows she can walk after a car totally fine. There's less concern. I think we need a more armed. We need to arm our women more. Honestly, I mean, I, I've seen. You ever see the pictures of Israel where they show the the women walking in Israel with like ARs on their back? Like that's smart i mean gonna mess around with that chick i don't think so it's not concealed at that point but then again over there everybody's hey, going yeah a whole bunch of people doing it <laughs> i wouldn't want to walk around just me by myself with no one else doing it mm-hmm. that's like same thing with, you know open carry versus concealed we kind of talked about that a little bit but like you're giving up your biggest advantage which is them not knowing you have a gun but you know if i'm out with a group of guys and we went like at the school in new orleans like there'd be like eight or nine of us and we'd all be at the class. We'd go shoot. We shoot during class. And then we'd go out to lunch. And we'd all just open carry because there's like a bunch of us. So I mean, no one's really. We have the advantage at that point. But if it's just me by myself, I, I don't recommend people by themselves. You know, open carry. I mean, do what you want. But it's just not the smartest you know decision. Just like 
you know, staying and fighting when you have the option to leave is not the smartest. I mean, you have the right to do it. You can just, again, in my class, I show videos of people who kind of jump into situations where maybe they sh wasn't, wasn't the smartest thing to do and they got shot. Like, the one particular in New Orleans that happened when I was there, like, the guy lived. But, you know, if he, he was smart, you know, instead of jumping into a situation where a woman's being abducted, and he was completely not prepared. He just walked up with a cell phone and he got shot. And luckily, the guy, the guy's gun jammed because he was going to shoot him in the head. Um, he tried to get his un oh, jam, that video. Un yeah. jam his yeah. gun like three times. But he, like, just, we're not cops. Like, you know, just get a description and just say, hey, this is license plate, this is what they look like, and let the police officers do their job. So, yeah, we're not cops. We're like concealed, like, defensive, protecting role. Yeah. Like, that's the whole idea when we're talking about, not just like in, in the church, out in the public. You know, us with our families, and our wives with our kids, like, all of that. Hmm. Cool. So that's a little bit of stuff to think about, isn't it? Mm, it's good. We'll talk more on yeah. guns in the future, I think. Yeah. It's, it's a good topic. I mean, yeah. it really needs to be talked about, especially in the church today. Yeah. One thing before we go, I think yeah. would be good. If anyone's local... How can they oh, yeah. get connected with you for classes? Maybe we could post links because yep. you're gonna. There's gonna be. I, I may be biased, but yeah, we'll I don't put, know anyone that's more professional and more knowledgeable than Corbin. I agree with that. We will. I will put. There's links to this podcast. If you're listening to it, which would, I I would recommend too. If you're gonna listen to this, go ahead, but watch it. It's on. It'll be on YouTube and Facebook too because you'll actually see some of the stuff if it does get taken down. I don't think it will on YouTube. I'm not sure about Facebook, um, but so you can actually see some of the stuff we're talking about, but. Yeah, what, 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 do you, so, what do you do? Yeah, it's MyTAC training, so it's M-I-T-A-C training on Facebook. It's um, pretty much it. Like, you can message me. Um, really, I kind of just done word of mouth. Like, I've, I don't really have to, I haven't really ever advertised, but yeah. I just get classes. So there's people talking, take it, and then tell their friends. Um, so I teach, you know, kind of within a half hour, like, locally of where we are. So, yeah. Teach what though? Conceal? Mostly CPO classes. Yeah. Like I do have some, like uh, kids, firearm safety classes planned, and then also some, like the next step after like your CPO class, like an advanced concealed carry class. Because in the CPO class, you're essentially you know you're you're not drawing from a whole. I mean, I let people if like they're been doing it. Most people though aren't at that point. But like the advanced class would be everything is from concealment. You have a cover garment. You're drawing from your holster every drill. You're moving, getting behind, you know, doing cover, different shooting positions. So that's something having the works too. So I get enough people to fill a class, and my buddy's building, expanding his range, um, so we have more room to do that class. So hopefully the next year. But I'm the thing is I'm working full time, trap, you know, travel nursing, so it's I have less time now. I still you know, do them, you know, every month or every month, every other month. And if somebody wanted to do it and reached out to you and you're like, yeah, hey, I don't got a class right now, but I got a guy, I know a guy you could go to. You also probably have guys you recommend in, in yeah, those situations so, too. Like uh, Matt Hollis at Vice Armory, yeah. awesome dude. He, uh, Davison, Michigan. Yeah, Davison. So if you're looking for guns, it's a great place to go. And I kind of partner. We, he has multiple people that teach there, but um, I also go through him and teach in Millington, teach in Dryden, so all over. In Michigan. Yeah, so if you're in Michigan, like the the Genesee County, yeah. kind of maybe Oakland County, get Saginaw, yeah, those areas, Genesee, it's reachable. Lapeer, Tuscola, yeah, Shiawassee, yeah. Saginaw, up that way. You you're within driving range of of Corbin stuff. So just go on that, and you can go on his Facebook page and like. That's an Instagram too, isn't it? Or no, no, yeah, just no. Facebook. Just Facebook. Okay, <laughs> he's simple like that. Yeah. Keep it keep it simple, stupid. Yeah. So um, 
So again, like I started off with, if you're offended, go somewhere else. Um, but remember, sponsored by Guinness. Guinness, <laughs> really, really, really want you to sponsor this. Because, um, you know, Arthur Guinness was a good Christian man. That would be a good discussion sometime. Yeah, I was, yeah. One well, on Arthur Guinness. Arthur Guinness, yeah, he started... He started Guinness Beer, yeah. totally out of a biblical worldview to serve the community, because they they couldn't drink the water, and so the the people that uh, had less money, mm-hmm. the lower income, they they can only get hard liquor. Yep. So they're walking around sloshed all the time, drunk. So one of the things he did was he, uh, they brewed Guinness beer to be a kind of the common man's drink. Yep. So it has less alcohol content than. I don't know anymore, but at that time than any other beer, yep. it's pretty close now still. Um, and uh, it actually has, most people don't know this, it has one of the lowest uh, caloric intake as well. Guinness what? does. So it has lower calories. Oh, calories. Yeah, yeah. Oh my God. There, okay. Yeah, there's, there's, Big not, word, there, it's not. there's not a lot of calories. <laughs> and But you just look at it, the history is amazing. Like, they transformed um, the, the area they were in, yeah. like in Ireland, totally transformed it. And during that time, though, like, something like 30 percent of churches had breweries in them you know again that's another issue that like there's a much more biblical worldview on it then than there is now so but yeah he's, what, six was six thousand year lease or something like that signed a nine thousand year lease nine thousand year lease uh, it gave every family a pint of pint of guinness every single day to take home for the family yeah. <laughs> I, I think well, yeah he, he did that for all the the workers but one of the coolest things he did is he hired a doctor on his yep. staff and um, so people, they lived, like, the reason they got sick is they, they, they weren't clean. They didn't take care of things. So he would set benchmarks for them. Like, if you, if you achieve these ten objectives of uh, health and cleanliness, they would actually get raised. They would get more vacation time. They would get more Guinness. Yeah, would, paid vacation, too. Yeah, so yeah. it was like a reward system. Hey, if, if you will invest in yourself and invest in your health and invest in the quality of your life, we will reward you for it. And, like, just a great leader. Uh, biblical worldview. So yeah, that w- that would be a great topic. Oh, it would, for sure. I want to watch one of them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That that's that. It is a great topic. Yeah. God and Guinness is the book actually about him, which is yeah. a great book. Yeah, God and Guinness, great. Book. Yeah, it is great. So yeah, so Guinness, feel free to sponsor us. I'm Man of War. I'm gonna tag all these guys in it. I might as well because <laughs> yeah, why not? I mean, try and get some freebies out of it. Cigars international. Send us T-shirts. I don't yeah. care. Whatever. I just need three of everything. So, <laughs> three Glocks, th- three boxes of cigars, and. All a year's supply of Guinness will split it up for three guys. Year supply. Of That's it. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. So we're just working on sponsorship now. In my second episode, I'm just trying to come up with uh, good sponsors, corporate sponsors. So, yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, though, I, I think we get to guns. They're they're a fantastic tool, and that's the thing to consider them. If we can get, if we just keep using that more and more, that term, it still won't affect anything in the culture. But for our own sake, I think we need to do it in the church, especially, and talk about beer more because. It's a blessing from God. It really is. It really, really is. So, all right. So anyways, if you're offended, bye. Go somewhere else. I really don't care. I'm just being honest with you. I don't care. If you don't like this, I don't care. I'm not here to please you. You're not my mom. I probably won't please her either. So, see ya. See ya.